0: All right, I'm back from my hiatus. Um, terribly sorry about the abrupt break. Um, I didn't have time to do this. This, and I am doing this just as a hobby. You may note there are no ads on here. Um, so, doing this does take up a bit of my um, a bit of my time. And I just didn't have time to record for a little while. Um, if you, I, I would have a bit more time um, with some support. Uh, so if you are enjoying the podcast um, and you think it's been worth five bucks so far, um, I would I would love the support, and it would really help me a long way. Um, so that said, uh, you can support me on. Uh, right now, just on buy me a coffee uh, at uh, Tyler the DM, and then uh, <sighs> sorry I'm saying uh, loud. I'm working on setting up a Patreon and a website to um, help streamline all of this, but for the moment, uh, that's that's where things are. Okay. Back to The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Chapter 37 Bright-Eyed lorin led the way across a courtyard. That is what most of the discussion was about, Master lorin explained, his voice as passionless as stone. You had to have a tuition. Everyone does. I had recovered my composure and apologized for my terrible manners. He nodded calmly and offered to escort me to the office of the bursar to ensure that there was no confusion regarding my admission fee. After it was decided to admit you in the manner you had suggested, Lauren gave a brief but significant pause, leading me to believe that it had not been quite as simple as that, there was the problem that there was no precedent set for giving out funds to enrolling students. He paused again. A rather unusual thing. Ra- uh, Lauren led me into another stone building through a hallway and down a flight of stairs. Hello, Riem. The bursar was an elderly, irritable man, who became more irritable when he discovered he had to give money to me rather than the other way around. After I got my three talents, Master Lauren led me out of the building. I remembered something and dug into my pocket, glad for an excuse to divert the conversation. "'I have a receipt from the broken binding.' I handed him the piece of paper, wondering what the owner would think when the university's master archivist showed up to redeem the book a filthy street urchin had sold him. "'Master Lauren, I appreciate your agreeing to do this, and I hope you won't think me ungrateful if I ask another favor. Lauren glanced at the receipt before tucking it into a pocket, and looked at me intently. No, not intently, not quizzically. There was no expression on his face at all, no curiosity, no irritation, nothing. If not for the fact that his eyes were focused on me, I would have thought he'd forgotten I was there. "'Feel free to ask,' he said. "'That book, it's all I have left from that time in my life. I would very much like to buy it back from you some day.' when I have the money. He nodded, still expressionless. That can be arranged. Do not waste your worry on its safety. It will be kept as carefully as any book in the archives. Lauren raised a hand, gesturing to a passing student. A sandy-haired boy pulled up short and approached nervously. Radiating deference, he made a nod that was almost like a bow to the master archivist. Yes, Master Lauren, Lauren gestured to me with one of his long hands. Simmon, this is Kvoth. He needs to be shown about, signed to classes and the like. Kilvin wants him in artificing. Trust to your judgment otherwise. Will you tend to it? Simmon nodded again and brushed his hair out of his eyes. Yes, sir. Without another word, Lauren turned and walked away, his long strides making his black master's robes billow out behind him simon was young for a student though still a couple years my senior he stood taller than me but his face was still boyish his manner boyishly shy do you have somewhere to stay yet he asked as we started to walk room at an inn or anything i shook my head i just got in today i, I hadn't i haven't thought much further than getting through admissions simon chuckled i know what that's like I still get sweaty at the beginning of each term. He pointed to the left, down a wide lane, lined with trees. Let's head to Muse first, then. I stopped walking. I don't have a lot of money, I admitted. I hadn't planned on getting a room. I was used to sleeping outside, and I knew I would need to save my three talents for clothes, food, paper, and next term's tuition. I couldn't count on the master's generosity for two terms in a row. Admissions didn't go that well, huh? Simmons said sympathetically, as he took my elbow and steered me toward another one of the gray university buildings. This one was four stories tall, many windowed, and had several wings radiating out from a central hub. Don't feel bad about it. I got nervous and pissed myself the first time through, figuratively. I didn't do that badly, I said, suddenly very conscious of the three talents in my purse. I... Th- "'But I think I offended Master Loren. He seemed a little... chilly?' Simon asked. "'Distant? Like an unblinking pillar of stone?' he laughed. "'Loren is always like that. Rumor has it that Elksadal has a standing offer of ten gold marks to anyone who can make him laugh.'" "'Oh, I relaxed a little. That's good. He's the last person I'd want to get on the wrong side of. I'm looking forward to spending a lot of time in the archives.'" Just handle the books gently, and you'll get along fine. He's pretty detached for the most part, but be careful around his books. He raised his eyebrows and shook his head. He's fiercer than a mother bear protecting her cubs. In fact, I'd rather get caught by a mother bear than have Lauren see me folding back a page. Simmon kicked at a rock, sending it skipping down the cobblestones. Okay, you've got options in the muse. A talent will get you a bunk... And a meal chit for the term, he shrugged. Nothing fancy, but it keeps the rain off. You can share a room for two talents uh, or get one all to yourself for three. What's a meal chit? Meals are three a day over in the mess, he pointed to a long, low-roofed building across the lawn. The food isn't bad so long as you don't think too hard about where it might have come from. I did some quick arithmetic. A talent for two months' worth of meals and a dry place to sleep was as good a deal as I could hope for. I smiled at Simon. Sounds like just the thing. Simmons nodded as he opened the door into the muse. Bunks it is, then. Come on, let's find a steward and get you signed up. The bunks for non-Arcanum students were on the fourth floor of the east wing of muse. Okay, now, I, I do have questions just brewing around in my head about how time is kept, so one span is 10 days right and then so two span is 20 days and then onward from there now i don't know how many months they have in a year but if the year is the same approximately 52 weeks That ours is well, that's let's see, 365 days, so that'd be 36 and a half weeks. If it's three span to a month, then that would make 10 months, or if it's Hmm, cause it it could be it could be um like six weeks in a month, or rather six six span a month, and then there would be like what five five months or five five span, and there would be six months in a year. So if the term is two months, um, then that would be like ten weeks or something. In the back maybe it's in the back <sighs> hmm. okay we've got the different coinage. Adrian calendar oh here there's a whole section on it. okay you know what we're pausing the chapter let me put a bookmark in I'm gonna read this about the calendar <laughs> I get asked a lot of questions uh, goodness I get asked a lot of questions about how the calendar works in my world there are days and months seasons and years most people figure out that a span of days isn't the same as a week really but I never really make things explicit in the books because it doesn't make much sense for my characters to sit around and say things like, hey, you know what's cool? The fact that we have eight months in a year. Okay, there are eight months. Okay. So anyway, for those of you who are curious, the Atrian calendar has eight months in a year. They are in order. Thaw. Catelyn. like Catelyn with an E in the middle. Catelyn. Equus. Solus. Lannis. Fallow. Reaping. And Dearth. Each month is composed of four span. Each span is 11 days long. What? I missed Oh. I thought it was 10 days. Well, I've been calculating that incorrectly. Each span is 11 days long. So two span is 22 days. Okay, 11, 11 days. Each month is composed of four span. Each span is 11 days long. The days of the week are lutin, Shuden, Thaden, feokin, orden, heptin, Chan, felling, reaving, Sendling, and mourning. All, uh, all the months are the same length, 44 days. None of this higgledy-piggledy, sometimes 30, sometimes 31, sometimes 28 mess that we have in our world. Ator has a very tidy calendar, very clean and neat, and it gives us a year that is 352 days long. The problem, of course, is that the physical year, as opposed to the calendar year, is actually several days longer than this. The Atrian calendar corrects for this by having seven extra days at the end of every year at midwinter, ending at midwinter, bringing the total up to 359. In the Atrian church, these are the seven days of high mourning. They are mourning spelt um, with a U, so it's like uh, grieving or whatever. Uh, High mourning. They are very significant, and there is much religiosity, religiosity that occurs. There are various types of feasting and fasting. The church collects tithes, but also provides food and entertainment to the populace, the most important of which is the midwinter pageantry. During these seven days, there are many conflicting strictures about what work a devout talon is allowed to perform, though as a general rule of thumb, any type of work is acceptable, so long as a third of the money paid for goods or services is ceded to the church as a tithe. Also, according to strict Atturin law, the high, the high morning isn't technically a part of the year at all. Any taxes, rents, or contracts which fall due then are instead considered tithes and belong to the church. As you can imagine, this makes contracts in Aetor something of a nightmare. Further complicating matters. That's where sound like there's a little high wine or something there. Uh, Okay, further complicating matters is the fact that a year is actually slightly less than 359 days long, which means in order to keep the paper year synced up with the real world, the seven days of high mourning are simply removed from the calendar on on an intermittent schedule set by the church itself. This causes a great deal of chaos, partly because the church is reluctant to give up a huge source of income that it generates during high mourning. What's more people resent the loss of their yearly pageantry and feasting, but there are a thousand other complications too, such as the fact that it com- that it complicates long-term contracts being written up with any high degree of accuracy, and makes the lives of historians a living hell. Still, it's better than the Ilish calendar, but that, as they say, is another story. So it looks like high morning is after dearth. That is much tidier. And really, in our calendar, let me just say this, our calendar months should all have 28 days and then we should just have um, one day as like a New Year's festival at the end of everything every year. Um, Sometimes two on leap year. And all of this adds up to simply the 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 problem being there would be an extra month. So we would have thirteen months. But really that's the the best way to divide everything up. Otherwise a week should be five days, um, instead of seven. Or ten or well Yeah, five days, and then it would all come out even. Um Or a number of other ways you could fix it. But anyway, back to the book. Okay. The bunks for non-Arcanum students were on the fourth floor of the east wing of Muse, farthest from the bathing facilities on the ground floor. The accommodations were, as Sim had described, nothing fancy. But the narrow bed had clean sheets, and there was a trunk with a lock where I could keep my meager possessions. All the lower bunks had already been claimed, so I took an upper one in the far corner of the room. As I looked out one of the narrow windows from the top of my bunk, I was reminded of my secret high place on Tarbine's roofs. The similarity was oddly comforting. Lunch was a bowl of steaming hot potato soup, beans, narrow rashers of fatty bacon, and fresh brown bread. The room's large plank tables were nearly half full, seating about two hundred students. The room was full of the low murmur of conversation, punctuated by laughter and the metallic sound of spoons and forks scraping against the tin trays. Simmons steered me to the back corner of the room, of the long room. Two other students looked up as we approached. Simon made a one-handed gesture to me as he set down his tray. Everyone, meet both our newest dewy-eyed, first-termer. He gestured from one person to the next. Quoth, these are the worst students the Arcanum has to offer. Manette and Willem.' "'Already met him,' Willem said. He was the dark-haired sealed from the archives. "'You really were headed to admissions,' he said, mildly surprised. "'I thought you were dealing me false iron.' He reached out his hand for me to shake. "'Welcome.' "'Teilu, anyway,' Manat muttered, looking me over. "'He was at least fifty years old, with wild hair and a grizzled beard. "'He wore a slightly disheveled look, as if he'd only woken up a few minutes ago. "'Am I as old as I feel, or is he as young as he looks?' "'Both,' Simmons said cheerfully as he sat down. "'Quoth, Manat here has been in the Arcanum for longer than all of us put put together.' "'Manat snorted. "'Give me some credit.' I've been in the Arcanum longer than any of you have been alive. And still a lowly elir," Willem said. Or, was it elir? That's not in there. Elir. okay. Uh, huzzah? Oh, is he? Willem said his thick Sierra accent made it hard to tell if he was being sarcastic or not. Huzzah to being an illyre, Manette said earnestly. You boys will regret it if you move any any further up the ranks. Trust me, it's just more hassle and higher tuitions. We want our guilders, Manette, Simmons said, preferably some time before we're dead. The guilder is overrated, too, Manette said, tearing off a piece of bread and dunking it in his soup. The exchange had an easy feel, and I guessed this was a familiar conversation. how do you do? Simmons said uh, oh S- Simmons asked Willem eagerly seven and eight Willem grumbled Simmon looked surprised what in God's name happened did you punch one of them fumbled my cipher willem said sullenly and Lauren asked about the influence of subinfudation on Madigan currency Kilvin had to translate even then I could not answer my soul weeps for you Sim said lightly You trounced me these last two terms. I was bound to catch a break sooner or later. I got five talents even this term. He held out his hand. Pay up. Willem dug into his pocket and handed Sam a copper jot. I looked at Manette. Aren't you in on it? I should make sure I'm pronouncing that right. too. Sorry, I just... I like knowing that I'm saying things right. Because, like, back when I was a kid, there was that whole issue with knowing how to pronounce... Uh, Hermione and uh... well, that's some help. Monet. Okay, Monet. I was saying that incorrectly. But I'm glad I looked, but yeah, trying to say Hermione. Uh, I didn't realize, we didn't realize that it was uh, pronounced like Persephone um, for a long little while. So we were pronouncing it with like, like Hermone or something like that, Her- Hermione or Hermone or whatever. We were just like, how did we say this? And uh, it took us a little while to figure out it was Hermione. So I try to avoid that. Anyway. Let's see. I looked at Manet. or sorry. I just did it again. Uh, Monet. I looked at Monet. Aren't you been on it? The wild-haired man huffed a laugh and shook his head. There'd be some long odds against me, he said, his mouth half full. Let's hear it. Simmons said with a sigh. How much this term? One and six, Manette said, grinning like a wolf. Before anyone could think to ask me what my tuition was, I spoke up. I heard about someone getting a thirty-talent tuition. Do they usually get that high? Not if you have the good sense to stay low in the rankings, Manette grumbled. Only nobility, Willem said. "Cramlish bastards with no business having their study here. I think they stoke, stroke. Ah, uh, sorry. I think they stoke up high tuitions just so they can complain. I don't mind," Manette said. "Take their money, keep my tuition low." I jumped as a tray clattered down onto the table, um, on on to the other side of the table. I assume you're talking about me. The owner of the tray was blue-eyed and handsome, with a carefully trimmed beard and high modigan cheekbones. He was dressed in rich, muted colors. On his hip was a knife, with a worked-wire hilt, the first weapon I'd seen anyone wearing at the university. Savoy? Simon looked stunned. What are you doing here? I ask myself the same thing. Savoy looked down at the bench. Are there no proper chairs in this place? He took his seat moving with an odd combination of graceful courtliness and stiff affronted dignity. Excellent. Next I'll be eating with a trencher and throwing bones to the dogs over my shoulder. Etiquette dictates it be the left shoulder, your highness, Monette said, around a mouthful of bread, grinning. Savoy's eyes flashed angry, but before he could say anything, Simmons spoke up. What happened? My tuition was sixty-eight strelom he said indignantly. Simmon looked nonplussed. "'Is that a lot?' "'It is. A lot,' Savoy said sarcastically. "'And for no good reason. I answered their questions. This is a grudge, plain and simple. Mandrag does not like me, neither does Hem. Besides, everyone knows they squeeze the nobility twice as hard as you lot, bleeding us dry as stones. Simmon's nobility,' Manette pointed a spoon, "'he seems to do fine himself.' Savoy exhaled sharply through his nose. Simmon's father is a paper duke bowing to a tin king in Aeter. My father's stables have longer bloodlines than half you Aetorin nobles. Simon stiffened slightly in his seat, though he didn't look up from his meal. Willem turned to face Savoy, his dark eyes going hard. But before he could say anything, Savoy slumped, rubbing his face in one hand. I'm sorry, Sim. "'My house and name to you. It's just... things weren't going... uh, things were going to be better this term, but now they're worse instead. My allowance wouldn't even cover my tuition, and no one will extend me more credit. Do you know how humiliating that is? I've had to give up my rooms at the Golden Pony. I'm on the third floor of Muse. I almost had to share a room. What would my father say if he knew?' Simon, his mouth full, shrugged and made a gesture with his spoon that seemed to indicate that there was no offense taken. "'Maybe things would go better for you. "'If you didn't go in there looking like a peacock,' Manette said, "'leave off the silk when you go through admissions.' "'Is that how it is?' Savoy said, his temper flaring again. "'Should I abase myself, rub ashes in my hair, tear my clothes?' As he grew angrier, his lilting accent became more pronounced. "'No.' They are none of them better men than me. I need not bow to them. There was a moment of uncomfortable silence at the table. I noticed more than a few of the surrounding students were watching the show from the nearby tables. Hilda Diem, Sovoy continued. There is nothing in this place I do not hate. Your weather is wild and uncivilized. Your religion barbaric and prudish. Your whores are intolerably ignorant and unmannerly. Your language barely has the subtlety to express how wretched this place is. Savoy's so voice grew softer and long- the longer he spoke, until he almost seemed to be speaking to himself. My blood goes back fifty generations, older than tree or stone, and I am come to this. He put his head against the palms of his hands and looked down at his tin tray, barley bread. God's all around us. A man is meant to eat wheat." I watched him while chewing a mouthful of fresh brown bread. It tasted wonderful. (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking, Sovoy said suddenly, getting to his feet. I can't deal with this. He stormed off, leaving his tray on the table. That's Sovoy, Monette said to me in an offhand manner. Not a bad sort, though he's usually not nearly as drunk as that. He's Modegan? Simon laughed. You don't get more Modegan than Sovoy. You should not prod at him, Willem said to Monette. His rough accent made it hard for me to tell if he was rebuking the older student, but his dark-sealedish face showed definite reproach. As a foreigner, I guessed he sympathized with Savoy's difficulty adjusting to the language and culture of the Commonwealth. He is having a rough time of it, Simon admitted. Remember when he had to let his manservant go? Mouthful. Monette gave a gesture with both hands as if playing an imaginary violin. He rolled his eyes, his expression vastly unsympathetic. "'He had to sell his rings this time around,' I added. Willem, Simon, and Monette turned to look at me curiously. "'There were pale lines on his fingers,' I explained, holding up my hand to demonstrate. Monette gave me a close looking over. "'Well, now, our new student seems to be all manner of clever.' He turned to Willow and Simmon. Lads, I'm betting, I'm in a betting mood. I'll wager two jots that our young Kvothe makes it into the Arcanum before the end of his third term. Three terms? I said, surprised. They told me all I had to do was prove I mastered the basic principles of sympathy. Man, uh, Manette gave me a gentle smile. They tell everyone that. Principles of sympathy is one of the classes you'll have to slog through before they elevate you to Illyre. He turned back to Will and Sim expectantly. How about it? Two jots? I'll bet. Willem gave me a small ap- apologetic shrug. No offense. I play the odds. Okay, so, so one term is a quarter of a year. So they're expecting him to get there in effectively nine months of our time. So that would be six months of theirs. Eight months to a year. Okay, okay. Sorry, just trying to keep everything straight in my head. What will you be studying, then? Monette asked and, as they shook on it. The question caught me off guard. Everything, I guess. You sound like me thirty years ago. Monette chuckled. Where are you going to start? The Chandrian, I said. I'd like to know as much about them as possible. Monette frowned, then burst out laughing. "'Well, that's fine and good, I suppose. Sim here studies fairies and pixies. Will there believes in all manner of silly damn sealedish sky spirits and stuff.' He puffed himself up absurdly. "'I'm big on imps and shamblemen myself.' I felt my face get hot with embarrassment. "'God's body, Monette.' Sim cut him off. "'What's gotten into you?' "'I just bet two jots on a boy who wants to study bedtime stories.' Monette groused, gesturing to me with his fork. "'He meant folklore, that sort of thing,' Willem turned to me. "'You looking to work in the archives?' "'Folklore's a piece of it,' I hedged quickly, eager to save face. "'I want to see if different cultures' folktales conform to Tecum's theory of narrative septage. Sim turned back to Monette. "'See? Why are you so twitchy today? When's the last time you slept?' "'Don't take that tone with me,' Monette grumbled." I caught a few hours last night. And which night was that? Simmon pressed. <laughs> Dear. Manette paused, looking down at his tray. The felling night? Willem shook his head, muttering something in CRU. Simon looked horrified. Manette, yesterday was sandling. Has it been two days since you've slept? Probably not, Manette said uncertainly. I always lose track of things during admissions. There aren't many classes. It throws off my schedule. Besides, I've been caught up in a project in the fishery. He trailed off, scrubbing at his face with his hands, then looked up at me. "They're right. I'm a little off my head right now. septagy, folklore and all of that. It's a bit bookish for me, but a fine thing to study. I didn't mean any offense." None taken, I said easily, and nodded at Sovoy's tray. Slide that over here, would you? If our young noble's not coming back, I'll have his bread. Oh, man, yeah, they wouldn't take it well if they... Let me pause for a moment. They definitely would not take it well if he uh told them. Yeah, uh, I've seen them. I'm, I met the Chandrian. They're fucking real, and they killed my parents. Oh, yeah, <laughs> by the way, this is an explicit podcast. Just, is... okay, anyway, but yeah, no they they fucking killed my parents guys like i was i saw them they they were there i i saw lord heliax they'd be like the fuck yeah right no way and the reason they would now of course the reason they dismissed that the reason they would they would immediately just offhandedly say no wait, no chandri aren't real the reason they would do that is because They would be too afraid to admit that the Chandrian might be real. It would uh, disturb them all too much. Okay. After Simon took me to sign up for classes, I made my way to the archives, eager to have a look around after all these years of dreaming. This time I entered the archives, there was a young gentleman sitting behind the desk, tapping a pen on a piece of paper that bore the marks of much rewriting and crossing out. As I approached, he scowled and scratched out another line. His face was built to scowl. His hands were soft and pale. His blinding white linen shirt and richly dyed blue vest reeked of money. The part of me that was not long removed from Tarbine wanted to pick his pocket. (laughs) He tapped his pen for another few moments before laying it down with a vastly irritated sigh. Name, he said without looking up. Kvothe. He flipped through the ledger, found a particular page, and frowned. You're not in the book. He glanced up briefly and scowled again before turning back to whatever verse he was laboring over. When I made no signs of leaving, he flicked his fingers as if shooting away a bug. Feel free to piss off. I've just... Wait, why does it say his name? Okay, I guess we're just learning it through narration. Cool. Now feel free to piss off. I've just... Ambrose put down his pen again. Listen, he said slowly, as if explaining to a simpleton, you're not in the book. He made an exaggerated gesture toward the ledger with both hands. You don't get inside. He made another gesture to the inner doors. The end. I've just gone through admissions. He tossed up his hands, exasperated. Then of course you're not in the book. I dug... Into a pocket for my admission slip. Master Loren gave me this himself. I don't care if he carried you, you here pigaback. Ambrose said, pointedly redipping his pen. Now quit wasting my time. I have things to do. Wasting your time? I demanded, my temper finally wearing thin. Do you have any idea what I've gone through to get here? Ambrose looked up at me, his expression growing suddenly amused. Wait, let me guess. "'he said, laying his hands flat on the table "'and pushing himself to his feet. "'You were always smarter than the other children "'back in Clodhump, or whatever little one-whore town you're from. "'Your ability to read and count "'left the local villagers awestruck. "'I heard the outer door open and shut behind me, "'but Ambrose didn't pay any attention. "'As he walked around to lean against the front of the desk... Your parents knew you were special, so they saved up for a couple of years, bought you a pair of shoes, and sewed the pig-blanket into a shirt. He reached out to rub the fabric of my new clothes between his fingers. It took months of walking, hundreds of miles, bumping along at the backs of mule-carts, but in the end he made an expansive gesture with both hands. Praise Telu and all his angels! Here you are, all bright-eyed and full of dreams!' I heard laughter, and turned to see with it. two men and a young woman had come in during his tirade. God's body, Ambrose. What's got you started? Goddamn first-termers, Ambrose groused as he headed back around to sit behind the desk. Come in here dressed like ragpiles and asked like they own the place. The three newcomers walked toward the door marked Stacks. I fought down a hot flush of embarrassment as they looked at me up and down. Are we still heading to Eolian tonight? Oh, sorry. Are we still he- heading to the Eolian tonight, Ambrose nodded. Of course. Sixth bell. Aren't you going to check to see if they're in the book? I asked as they, cl- as the door closed behind him. Ambrose uh, turned back to me. His smile bright, brittle, and by no means friendly. "'Listen, I'm going to give you a little advice for free. "'Back home you were something special. "'Here you're just another kid with a big mouth. "'So address me as Rilar. "'Go back to, uh, to your bunk "'and thank whatever pagan god you pray to "'that were not in Vintas. "'My father and I would chain you to a post "'like a rabid dog.' "'He shrugged. "'Oh, I don't. Stay here. Make a scene. "'Start to cry. Better yet, take a swing at me.' "'He smiled. "'I'll give you a thrashing "'and get you thrown out on your ear.' He picked up his pen and turned back to whatever he was writing. I left. You might think that this encounter left me disheartened. You might think I felt betrayed, my childhood dreams of the university cruelly shattered. Quite the contrary. It reassured me. I had been feeling rather out of my element until Ambrose let me know in his own special way that there wasn't much difference between the university and the streets of Tarbin No matter where you are, people are basically the same. Besides, anger can't get keep. Ge- God damn it. Besides, anger can't keep you warm at night, and wounded pride can spur a man to wondrous things. Let's see, we're about 38 minutes in, roughly. What have we got here? Hmm. I think... I think we'll end today's episode there. Alrighty. It was a bit of a longer chapter, and I paused to read about the timekeeping system. So. Alright. Everybody, have a good night.